they want to straighten things up. If they thought they could squeeze us out, yeah. But they know they can't squeeze us out. They want to make money. This must be insane. You're listening to these tapes. Right. In our last episode, FBI agent Bob Croner discovered a cache of audio tapes in a kitchen drawer bread box of a dead mafia hitman. Were you right what you're hearing? Uh, the Carabia brothers. I don't give a, I don't give a fuck either. Do what you want. I want you 100%. Croner could hear the voices of two of Youngstown's biggest mob bosses for the Cleveland faction, Orly and Charlie Carabia. People were afraid of Charlie because Charlie had a bad temper. You're the fucking sheriff. They want to make money. They ain't after no put nobody in fucking jail. And then there was Orly. That's why I'm saying, you as your own man, you as your own man have to really fucking know what you're saying over here. It's got to be that way. On the tapes, the Karabis are meeting with a third guy. They're going to do that with me as the sheriff. A guy by the name of Jimmy. Put this in your mind, Jimmy. You're the fucking sheriff. How long did it take for you to go? That's Jim Traffic. <laughs> I mean, it's just a voice on a tape. Oh, but they're referring to him as Jim. See, Jimmy, you're the sheriff, and that's you act like they have more power than you. And they're talking about the running for sheriff. How could they fucking arrest you? Are you fucking crazy? They're the fucking sheriff, man. Jim Trafkin wasn't the sheriff yet, but he was the favorite in the upcoming election. The Krabbies are meeting with him because they've already made a healthy contribution to his campaign more than $100,000. And now Trafkin assures them that they're going to get their money's worth. I did take your money, though, and you do have an interest, and I'll work it out. I don't want no problem. But there was a problem. Trafkin had also taken money from the Carabia's sworn enemy, Pittsburgh underboss Little Joey Naples. And the Carabias want to know whose side Trafkin is on. Are you with us, or are you with Joey Naples? How many fucking times we go to To calm the Carabias, Trafficking offers a solution. When he becomes sheriff, he'll arrest Naples for bribery. What's to stop me from taking that fucking money and having Joey arrested for conspiracy to obstruct political justice? And they were laughing about, oh, oh, oh we can go knock off Joey, ha, ha, ha. I took the money, so when I became the fucking sheriff, I would stop this fucking organized racketeering in Mahoney County. Jimmy, I think you're crazy. <laughs> the Carabias love the idea, but it's clear they don't fully trust trafficking. The Carabias certainly had things in mind because they recorded them. They wanted to make sure they had control of this guy. To them, that was gaining power. Yeah. What to stop me from arresting all those cocksuckers? Would that be something my first week in office? Trafficking talks about busting the entire Pittsburgh faction in his first week in office. And he has a realization. You know what? If you think about it, if I fucking did that, you'd have run for governor. Trafficking. If I fucking did that, Carabia, you could run for governor. We'd be very fucking powerful. Trafficking. We'd be very fucking powerful. <laughs> Jim Trafficking was elected sheriff of Mahoning County. An FBI agent, Bob Croner, needed to decide what to do next. We've got these tapes, and we decide that we need to have a game plan of what we're going to do. And the best result that we come up with is, let's call them in here. And we call them in and go to interview them. And uh, he's just 
what he, I thought it looked like. Crazy hair, bell-bottom pants, offbeat type guy. I did most of the talking. And I said to him, uh, you know, I used to watch you play football when you were at the University of Pittsburgh. And oh, that lit him up and he really liked to hear that. And, you know, you were a good quarterback. Yeah, I got drafted by Oakland and, uh, you know, this and that. So we're talking that. And then, by the way, Jim, we've been hearing a lot of things on the street. And we just called you in here, you, you know, and we just want to confirm. We're hearing that, you know, you've taken money from the mob. No, no, never took any money from the mob. Well, we've heard that you had an arrangement with the Carabias. We've heard that you had an arrangement with Naples. No, no. Do you know Charlie Carabia? I know of him, but, uh, you know, I, I really don't know him. Have you ever sat and met with him or talked with him or anything about No, 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 no. What about Orly Carabia? You know him? And he's denying, 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 denying. And meanwhile, we've got a cassette tape recorder sitting on the supervisor's desk. And I said, Mickey, play that tape. Now look, I did take your money, though, and you do have an interest. Now work it out. I don't want no problem. It's the conversation that he immediately recognizes. He said, stop it, stop it. And he's in his chair in his but almost hit the floor. That's how much he slid down in his chair when he heard that tape. So now we're in a negotiating process with him that we want him to cooperate, but to ensure his cooperation, we want him to give us a signed confession. He agrees that he'll sign a statement. So Mark Swanger gets up, goes out of the room and writes the statement. Swanger comes back and gives it to Trafficant. And Trafficant looks at it and he says, I can't sign this. This isn't true. I says, okay, here's what we'll do. Let's play the tape and then you tell us what part of that's not true. Grabs the statement, signs the statement. We certainly had him where we wanted him. At this juncture, our plan is that we're going to have future meetings with him and that we want him to wear a wire, and we're thinking we've got a home run here now because he obviously clearly can talk to the Carabia side, and I'm going to guess he'll be able to talk clearly to the other side. With his cooperation, we can get both sides. Croner is hopeful that with Trafficant's help, he can bring an end to the mafia stranglehold on Youngstown. But Trafficant has other plans. What we didn't know is he had a friend of his waiting for him outside. And when he came out, he told him that he wasn't going to cooperate. Don't think for one minute Jim Traffic was a dumb guy. I mean, he'd taken all this money and he thought he could do anything. I'm Mark Smurley. Welcome to Crooked City. Five thousand steel workers lost their jobs. There's a whole community here. Its reason for its existence is those mills. It's like dropping a bomb. Hooray for Youngstown! We've got a good city, and it's going to get better. He's a champion of the working class. Finally, somebody's helping around here. 
We had gotten information that these guys were fighting over trafficking. Corruption is part of our DNA. In Mahoning County, the mob always had the sheriff. Chapter 4, The Pied Piper. As telephones rang off the hook, it was a hectic kickoff for the most ambitious law enforcement program ever promised in Mahoning County. Sheriff Jim Traffickant took over at 2 a.m. this morning. The new sheriff admits inside and outside his department. The controversy has just begun. On January 5th, 1981, Jim Trafkin took office as sheriff of Mahoning County. When a sheriff comes to power in a place like this, there's always questions about, you know, well, who is he aligned with or who is he going to take care of? Has anyone offered you a bribe? <laughs> no, not at this stage. Now, let me say this, that I'm just getting my feet wet and I'm waiting to see what's going to happen. Has there been a lot of pressure on you from criminal types or, or any type of pressure whatsoever? No, you get a lot of pressure from people who know personnel. Trafficking had been elected with a mandate to clean up Youngstown, specifically its drug problem. Top priority is formation of a regional narcotics unit. He vows the job he promised to do can still be done. The call went out from the county building. All regular and reserve deputies who could were to report immediately. Trafficking hit the ground running with publicized raids of the local bar scene. News photographer Tom Russo and I went with the sheriff himself, who was controlling operations from his car, M1. M1 to radio. Trafficking understood something early on, that he could use the media to bolster his public image. We have advanced crews in the real bad places. They'll spot if there's any drug transactions they noticed. And he realized that he didn't have to get results to get the results he wanted. Our first stop at Hillman and St. Louis. Nothing even remotely out of the ordinary was going on. All indications were that somehow the area had learned that the raids were on the way. In Youngstown, police corruption was everywhere. So if a raid wasn't successful, trafficking could say that someone in his own department had tipped off the target. It was evident that there were prior calls made. And that's not unusual. The sheriff would hate to think that the leak was from one of his own people. Bar raid after drug bust. Trafficking was showing the public that he was a man of action, fighting crime in the face of corruption. But when the cameras weren't around, Trafficking was required to meet in secret with Bob Croner of the FBI. We had a place that we could use to meet with him outside the public view. And uh, he'd come in almost in tears. Croner kept trying to pressure Trafficking into wearing a wire when he met with local mob figures. And it would start off the same way every time. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. We must have had a half a dozen of these meetings. He'd try to be aggressive, and then by the end, agree to cooperate. Okay, I'll do it, but I, I'm not going to do it today. Always doing stringing us along is what he's doing. So we said, Jim, we've had enough of this. Either you're going to cooperate right now, or we're moving forward with our investigation. And as only Jim Trafficant would do, would say, well, you take your best hold and I'll get my best hold. We'll see where this goes. And that was the last time we met with him about that. 
Trafkin knew that if he didn't cooperate with the FBI, he'd be arrested and tried for corruption. He didn't know when that would happen, but he knew he needed to win the people of Youngstown over. Jim Trafficken's office today looked like that of a drug-dealing hoodlum. On the floor, 50 small marijuana plants, along the wall, an arsenal of weapons. He would go out and raid the drug dealers. I was told that there were many of them that the drugs were planted when he got there. This particular barbershop was a hot spot, or we consider to be one of the best connections for heroin in the whole Mahoning Valley area. I don't know that in all these raids that he was conducting, anybody ever got charged or convicted. The whole purpose of this was to get positive press. He's trying to build himself up to be a hero. Sheriff Trafficant was in a plane today, scouting the Coitsville area from the air, while his men staged raids. The deputies dug up marijuana plants, trafficant charges. They were being grown by the outlaws' motorcycle gang. Since Trafficant had taken money from both of Youngstown's mob families, he couldn't go after them. So he set his sights on an easier target, the outlaws' motorcycle gang. For the notorious motorcycle gang, Trafficant had a warning. We're gonna come down and knock your house apart. But repeated raids on the outlaws' clubhouse didn't yield much. Some guns, some weed. Even the leader of the gang could see it was a PR stunt. We have not intimidated him or his people in any way at all or any citizens in this county. I believe it's a political movement. He wants to be publicized, and this is his chance to do it. We are building our case. And the longer that it took to get to charging him, the more he was doing to build his image. If it's public relations, it's good PR. Nearly three dozen reserve deputies gearing up for a walk through Youngstown's south side, their boss leading the way. There should be foot patrols in the city of Youngstown in high crime incident areas. So you must have been dreading the newspaper every morning because he was in the newspaper all the time. All the time. He was becoming the hero of the community. He, he really was. The deputies will be back because these south side neighbors will turn anywhere for help to clean up their corner of Youngstown. It's nice knowing that somebody's looking out somewhere to make sure everything is okay. Welcome to True Spies, the podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark, it's appeared Bin Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios, wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Sheriff Jim Trafkin was taking on illegal drugs in Mahoning County. At least it looked that way, and the people of Youngstown loved him for it. But what the people didn't know was that the FBI was putting a case together to arrest the new sheriff. It wasn't long before Trafkin caught wind that the feds had seized his campaign records from the Board of Elections. He knew the clock was ticking, and he had to get ahead of the bad news. 
Today, for local reporters, the sheriff admitting that he took $55,000 from reputed Valley crime boss James Briarhill Jimmy Prado. I took it off the street so it wouldn't be used against me, and I returned it, and that will be proven. The money was returned. Trafficking came up with a series of elaborate explanations and denials. Sure, he took the mob's money, but he never gave them anything in return, just his friendship. The only thing I was asked to do was be a quote-unquote friend, a friend. I have granted no political favors, I have done nothing for nobody, and I am again for the camera not afraid to testify as to what transpired here. Do you feel that it would be appropriate at this time that you, that you step down? Absolutely not. Well, I think that's what certain, I think certain people want me to step down. I will not resign. I will not be pressured or threatened by anybody. Do you feel that indictments are coming down in the near future? If they are, I will face them when they come, and I will show. FBI agent Bob Croner was still building his case against trafficking, but he was also hard at work surveilling Youngstown's other mob associates. We had gotten a wiretap in Standard Motors. Standard Motors was a car dealership out on the back roads of Youngstown's east side. It was a known hangout for some of the more violent members of Joey Naples' Pittsburgh faction. There were some pretty bad guys in there. Sam Scafidi, who was a Naples hit guy. One night, as the FBI listened in, it was clear that Scafidi and his gang were gearing up for something. Well, give me that piece. Here. I want that silencer. Screw this thing in. Besides the guns that they had during the wiretap, they went out and they got a taser that they were going to use in the furtherance of this crime. Later that night, Scafidi and the others leave Standard Motors, and the FBI follows them to a house in the Briar Hill district of Youngstown. It was the house of an avid coin collector named Paul Pater, and they were there to rob him. They told me that we won't hurt you. But that proved to be a lie. They shot me with the taser gun, and they had me down on the ground. I had my own gun to protect myself, but another fella grabbed me behind the back. I let out a couple shots, three or four shots. Pater missed. Well, mostly. He blew off his own finger before they got him subdued. They taped me, and that's all I know. The intruders started ransacking the place, looking for Pater's coin collection, not knowing that the FBI was nearby. We tried to stop what was going on, and shots were fired. One of the mobsters took a shotgun blast to the leg before they finally surrendered. We arrested the whole gang of them. The gang that couldn't shoot straight all went to jail. Paul Pater was rescued by FBI agents who'd been tailing Sam Scafidi, John Holowatic, and Robert Pogan, three men with mob connections. How soon was it before the FBI got here? I figured about, oh, 10 to 15 minutes. You blew your own finger off in yeah. the process. Yeah, okay. The guy that was the victim in that got their thumbs shot off, and it ended up being a disaster. Paul Pater's blown-off finger was about to blow up into a PR nightmare for the FBI and an opportunity for Mahoning County Sheriff Jim Trafficken. If Paul Pater did not have a weapon, did not discharge four shots, Mr. Pyter would not have been indeed saved by the heroics of the FBI. He would be a cadaver. 
Travigant was able to convince him we were the bad guys. And all this crap that happened there that night at his house was because of us. We were the bad guys, the bad FBI. The FBI in America now, right out I'm saying this, now evidently makes the decisions who lives and dies to further their so-called investigations of organized crime. He would call us the crooks. I'll go out and charge that whole office. And he did, he went and got warrants for the whole office. The charges of dereliction of duty, interfering with civil rights and theft. There are 10 agents charged with all three counts. And when he tried to get the agents arrested. Every case I've brought forward has been dead bang and a good one where I haven't brought it. And the case that I've brought forward now is not only the truth, it's a powerful and compelling case that FBI agents should be put in jail for. And if I have anything to do with it, they're gonna go to jail. He charged the FBI agents for dereliction of duty. And we had to go to the federal court and get those warrants null and void. If this guy had put himself toward doing things legitimately, he was smart enough to have accomplished a lot. He was no dummy. A uh, special federal grand jury sitting in Cleveland today returned a two-count indictment charging James A. Trafficant Jr. with conspiracy to conduct the affairs of an enterprise through a pattern of racketeering activity. Trafficant never arrested anybody from the FBI. But a few months later, he was indicted. And true to his word, he showed. What ended up happening is that he came to our office and we arrested him right there. Accompanied by his attorney, Sheriff Trafficant surrendered to Youngstown FBI agents at 12.40 this afternoon. He wasn't dejected coming out here with those handcuffs on. He was a martyr. This will help solidify himself in this valley, the hero of the Moaning Valley. Trafficant pled not guilty to the charges and was released on a $5,000 personal recognizance bond. If found guilty on both counts, Trafficant could face a maximum prison sentence of 23 years and a $30,000 fine. That's the day that it becomes public that he's a bad guy. But he's had all this time to try to convince everybody he's the king of the hill. By the time we charged him, he was the Pied Piper of the Moaning Valley. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. By the time Jim Trafficking was arrested in 1982, the people of Youngstown had been through a lot. Youngstown Sheet and Tube closed and left 5,000 people stranded without jobs. The American steel industry was in a death spiral, and Youngstown's mills were closing left and right. United States Steel has also announced that it will let its mills in Youngstown run down. Three years later, Youngstown was in mourning. What was the first reaction? Lots and lots of tears. A lot of tears. Steel was more than an industry. It was a tradition. Everyone thought the mill would go on forever. That's my bread and butter, you know? That's everything. Don't have the security to thoughts or the future would look good to me. My life has stopped at 57. 
unemployment skyrocketed to double digits. Some were forced to move to find work, splitting families apart and tearing the fabric of the once tight-knit community. Not only am I forced to retire, I'm forced to give up my family, too. This is my love, this is my life. For those who chose to stay, things weren't any easier. I can't work for $4 an hour. I couldn't find a better job at the kind of money I was making. The struggle made people feel resentful of the steel companies, of the federal government for not stepping in to help. I just wonder how far we've gone in our American way of life, not only in Ohio, but on a national basis. I'm bitter, I know I am. I think this district is sunk. There was a time when the smoggy air in Youngstown was a sign of stability and hope, of new cars, college tuition, and a house with a picket fence. Now the smoke was clearing, and that future had disappeared. How can you hang in there if you don't got no money? And if you don't got no money, you can't make a house payment, then you don't got no house. People who had lost everything were about to lose their homes, too. What happens if you do lose your home? Where does your family go? Wherever we can find to go. You know, what does a family do? Jim Trafkin was out on bail, weeks away from being tried for bribery and racketeering. But he was still sheriff, and part of his job was to sign off on foreclosures. That's when Trafkin decided to do something for the steel workers who were losing their homes. The sheriff was brought before Judge Charles Bannon on 10 contempt charges stemming from his refusal to sign foreclosure deeds on various properties in the Newswatch area. Are you if I to be thrown out of sheriff, I would go to jail. Jim, keep it up. Now, do you want to sign those deeds and I'll do your... I'll tell you, I hate sheriff. signing those deeds in Mahoney County. I don't I'll care. sign them if you order me. I, but I hate it because these people are losing their homes. Sit down. Trafficant believes the foreclosures serve no purpose. He believes the monies from the sheriff's sale go to stuff the wallets of the mob and other fat cats, as he put it. But he wanted the law to start serving the people. The damn federal agency should be investigated because they have taken and put people in sardine cans and destroyed neighborhoods. People haven't destroyed neighborhoods. The plannings of the politicians have destroyed neighborhoods. Sign these deeds. I will not sign them until they have met the conditions of which I have stated forward in testimony before this court, Your Honor. Very well. That you, Sheriff, are guilty of contempt of this court. Trafficant was arrested again. I'm going to go to jail. Did you really expect Jeez, they really, really even patted me down to even check my crotch. He served three days of his 100-day sentence, and then he signed the deeds. If I don't, he said, someone else will. In the end, he couldn't stop those foreclosures. But Trafficant's refusal to go quietly solidified his image as a man of the people. I feel it was very worthwhile for me to go to jail over a cause I feel is really worthwhile. I'm very proud I went to jail in Youngstown. Trafficant was going to have to stand trial against the federal government for racketeering. And as the trial drew near, the prosecution felt good about its case. Do you expect a, a conviction on all counts in this? You feel, in other words, you feel that you have a very strong case? I'd say yes. <laughs> Certainly. After all, they had a signed confession and those tape recordings of trafficking admitting to taking money from the mob. It was a slam dunk. We're confident in our case. We'll present it to the jury at the appropriate time and let the uh, jurors be the final determiners of the strength of our case. I felt... This was as strong a case as I had ever taken to court. FBI agent Bob Croner was confident. But in the run-up to the trial, he saw signs that public opinion had turned against the feds. 
Talk radio was filled with it. And people used to get on talk radio and talk about me. I was the bad guy that tried to tumble the uh, Pied Piper. (laughs) People in Youngstown who had lost everything had also lost their trust in the federal government. Remember, too, the people in this valley and what they wanted. It wasn't for the FBI to come in and clean it up. They wanted the kind of valley that they grew up in. I can go place my bets. I can go to prostitution. I can get a case fixed if I'm in trouble. And that was Jim Trafficking. He bring that back. You mean you're going to take me? No, we wouldn't. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm sick and tired of that. (laughs) In the final weeks before the trial, Trafficking called yet another press conference. First of all, I've been advised not to have a press conference, and this isn't a press conference. Okay. Not a press conference. Because I'm really not trying to tell you anything. Trafficant wasn't there to answer questions. He was there to speak with the people who would ultimately decide his fate. The people of Youngstown. The first thing I want to say to the people is I'm not ashamed of anything. Nothing. I did what I felt I had to do. Win. I cannot literally believe, after what I've experienced, the public support I have. I feel good about that. Very, very good about that and warm inside. This has become and will be, in fact, probably the most sensational case in this area's history. The federal government will start to leak and dribble information and evidence pieces to sway that public support and interest that is the only thing I have. I will face my accusers in court. And I, in turn, as I look into each and every one of these cameras, will look those accusers in the face. And regardless of what happens to me, I'm going to hold my head up and walk in and walk out of that federal court. I will continue to act as the sheriff unless somebody comes in here and removes me legally and technically. Second thing I have to say is this. I can say it one of two ways. I could say it through the superego, which would reflect the value of all society who would like to hear it said nice. Or I could say it with the true me, and I have no prepared statement from my heart, and that's with the id. For the politicians, for the powerful, influential people in this valley who want me out, here's my statement. Go and fuck yourself. On the next episode of Crooked City, the United States versus Jim Trafficking. I'm preparing to go in and defend myself, and I plan to give the government hell. And Jim Trafficking leans on the people. I heard he was kind of iffy on honesty, but I liked him. He was funny. Crooked City is a production of Truth Media in partnership with Sony Music Entertainment. The show is produced by Catherine Sullivan, Olivia Briley, Zach St. Louis, and Alexa Burke. Ryan Swikert is our senior producer. Story editing is by me, Mark Smurling, and Ryan Swikert. Kevin Shepard is our associate producer. Scott Curtis is our production manager. Johnny Cecatelli, our local producer in Youngstown. Fact-checking by Donnie Suleiman. George Draving Hicks did the mix. Sound design by George Draving Hicks and Ryan Swikert. Music by Kenny Cusiak, John Cusiak, and Marmoset. Our title track is Hurricane Heart Attack by The Warlocks.
Continue the conversation with us online by tweeting at Crooked City Pod. That's at Crooked City Pod. If you've enjoyed Crooked City, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. And thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.